Uh, this is week four in our series on Old Testament characters, more than just stories, but life lessons from the Old Testament. We started on Mother's Day, and we looked at Hannah, a woman of faith, and some of the characteristics of that. Then we looked at Enoch, a man in the Old Testament who walked with God, and then God just took him, took him away, took him out of this world, and took him right straight into heaven. Then last week we looked at Noah and Noah's life and uh, his role uh, in saving, uh, the, saving his family and the select animals when God brought judgment in the form of a flood. And though, from those, all of those so far, uh, I've been encouraged by your comments about that, but also uh, I've been intrigued by some of the comments that you've made that you've said, you know, I, I don't remember that about Noah, and I, I really didn't know that about Enoch. And I really forgot that Hannah gave her son Samuel, but then that he, she had other children after. I thought she just gave him up. So it's interesting things to learn when we look at lives. I've always loved to read biographies. The most recent biography I read, uh, uh, actually autobiography, about Ernie Johnson, Jr. Uh, his dad was Ernie Johnson. Some of his old-time Brave fans might remember him, played for the Braves, and then a long-time announcer for the Braves. Uh, but Ernie, Jr. Uh, is on TNT and has NBA, and then you see him doing the NCAA basketball playoffs. Um, I was browsing in the Lifeway bookstore a few weeks ago, and I saw this book by Ernie Johnson, Jr. called Unscripted. And I said, well, what's this doing in here? I didn't know he was a strong believer. So I picked that up, and in two settings, I read through it. Fantastic work. So I love reading biographies in people's lives. And, and that's why I like these character stories, because we learn so much about these characters. They were ordinary people. They were ordinary people through whom God did extraordinary things, and in whom was developed some fantastic faith. And that's what we'll find when we look at Abraham and his story. Again, he's listed in Hebrews 11 in the roll call of the faithful. And we find the three major segments that I think are so significant in his life all surrounded his faith and his faith experience when we look at the Scripture. So we're going to look at Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 12, and then 17 through 19. You might want to find a Bible in the pew. Maybe you brought your own. You've got a Bible app. A word should be on the screen as well. So we begin in verse 8, Hebrews 11. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And then we go down to verse 17. By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. And he who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Now, when I see how the writer of Hebrews has broken down Abraham's life, um, I think that it's uh, three major faith challenges for Abraham. And we'll come back and look at them later on, but I want to introduce them to you now. There is an irresistible call. There is an impossible promise. And there is an improbable request. And we'll look at those a little bit later. Now, 
When you think about Abraham, there ought to be two phrases that come to your mind that identify Abraham. Do you think of those two? Something unique about Abraham and relationship with God. I don't know of anybody else who was called this. Abraham was called the friend of God. James, uh, James 2.23 tells us that. Abraham was the friend of God. That's an interesting description, isn't it? The other thing about Abraham is the Bible tells us that he is the father of faith. Now, aren't those two great ways to be remembered? Wow, what a, what a life and what a faith Abraham lived and had. Um, he grew up in the land of Ur, located on the Persian Gulf, probably what is known as Iraq today. The city of Ur itself um, was a prosperous city. It was fertile on the Euphrates River. In fact, um, ar- uh, archaeological excavations going back to the time of Abraham found that it was a very modern city. Uh, they had cobblestone streets, academic buildings, three-story houses with tile floors. And it was evidence there that there was organization, wealth, and luxury. But at the same time, it was a pagan, wicked city. All kinds of pagan practices Amazing that Abraham came out of that and that God called him out of that background and that he was such a strong man of faith. Abraham was probably a shepherd living outside the city. Um, And God chose him to bring about his purpose for all mankind by separating him because of uh, Abraham's willingness to respond in faith. So, it really makes sense for us to go to Abraham's life as the friend of God and father of faith to find out about these challenges about faith. And here we go with these three areas in, in, in his life when we look at these three things. Uh, and before that, Romans 4.11 says, He is called the father of all who believe. In Galatians 3, the apostle Paul says, Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who belong are children of Abraham. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, I brought up the song. You remember the song, Father Abraham Had Many Sons? You remember that? Sang that? I, I sang that for the first service. So y'all don't want to be disappointed, do you? Well, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. See, isn't it amazing that we can go back and find that we are not, we're not called children of Adam, we're not called children of Noah, but we're called children of who? Abraham, Father Abraham, the father of faith. Abraham's faith is amazing because he came to believe God and trust God and obey God out of such a pagan, pagan environment. Okay. First thing in his life we see that he had a faith to answer an irresistible call. We find this story basically in Genesis 12 through 25 uh, as well as here in Hebrews 11. Genesis 12, 1 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. God called Abram to leave his home and go to Canaan, a different land. And Abram's faith is amazing because he came to believe in that one true God in a pagan land. And he demonstrated his faith by leaving the security of what he knew, his home and family, and went to an unknown destination. And he did so, I think, because God's promise to him was this. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. 
I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. See, that, that, that just all of a sudden comes to Abram from, from God, this promise. You leave, and this is the blessings that I will give. Follow me in obedience, and these are the blessings that I will give to you. God promised to make him a great person. He promised to bless him. He promised to make his name great. He promised to bless all peoples of the earth through him. He promised to bless those who blessed him. He promised to curse those who treated him with contempt. And he promised that all people on earth would be blessed through Abraham. Abraham heard the call of God and he responded in faith. I love the phrase in Hebrews eleven eight 8 that says, And he went out not knowing where he was going. Isn't that fantastic? I, I think there was this sense of, of, of uh, adventure in, in Abraham's life that he was willing to step out in obedient faith and follow God not knowing where he was going but trusting God. And I think that's real faith. That's real faith in the kingdom of God. By faith, the scripture says, Abraham Obey. Genuine faith always obeys God. And I think that genuine saving faith is obedient faith. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, calls it the obedience of faith. Jesus warned with these words in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, that's powerful when you think about that. Jesus is not, not praising a superficial faith. He is praising an obedient faith that does the will of his Father. And then he goes on in John eight thirty nine to say, If you are Abraham's children, that's all of us who profess faith in Christ, is then he says, then do the deeds of Abraham. Do the thing. Do the deeds of Abraham. That's what he's saying. Abraham's obedient faith caused him to go out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Obedient faith always challenges us to obey Christ and to follow him. We look in the New Testament again, and we see examples of that. When Jesus called Levi, a tax collector, to come and follow him, the Scripture says that Levi left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. Jesus talked about those who would follow after him and be true disciples of his. He described them by saying, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That's obedient faith. You're willing to, to leave things behind, take up the cross, and follow after Jesus. I see, the reality is that God might not call us to do things like he did Abraham, but the reality is today that God still calls us as his children of faith to be obedient to him and do things in obedience to what he lays on our heart. You know, certain things like, Simple things. 
like forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You're part of the body of Christ. You're part of, a, of that rich heritage of being a child of Abraham. You're a part of, of this church. Then the Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's just a thing that you, part of the church, you need to be here. You, you weaken the church when you're not here, part of it. That's a simple thing to do. Be obedient to that. Uh, talk about how, how you handle your money for the glory of God. You know, it's a simple thing that he calls you to be obedient with the tithe. That's a step of faith for a lot of people. In fact, some people say, you know, that in, in never talk about money in church. That's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. The Bible talks about money and being faithful and obedient with it all the way through. You can't get away from it. And remember, you're going to be judged. So you're going to be judged about how obedient you were when the time comes for that. But, I mean, are you being faithful and obedient in a simple thing like that with giving God what he requires money-wise? And then what about this? He calls us to witness with our faith. He calls us to witness with our faith. We're not supposed to sit silent and, and, and let people go to hell without saying something about that. But how many of you are willing to do something about that? How many of you have been obedient about doing something about that and witnessing to somebody or sharing your faith or telling your faith story, however you want to put it? Developing a relationship with a non-believer so you can talk to them about the Lord. I said, that's, if you have the faith of Abraham, then you're going to be obedient in these areas and more. Wherever God calls you to be obedient, if you have that faith, you will step out and be obedient to God. It's simple. That, that saving faith is obedient faith. Now, the second thing about Abraham's life we see, the second chapter of it is, faith believes an impossible promise. When we talk about Abraham, it was the promise of the fact that he would be the father of many nations. And here he is getting along old in life and there's no child at this point. But God had given him a promise. And so we're going to try to trace this a little bit here through the Scripture. Hebrews 11, 11 and 12 says, By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. Who made the promise? God did. And, and Abraham knew him to be faithful. And so he trusted in that. He believed in an impossible promise. And I love this next phrase in, in Hebrews. And so from this one man, Abraham, and he as good as dead. I mean, that's, that's put saying it bluntly, isn't it? He as good as dead. From him came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. If you're familiar with the story, you know that Abraham and Sarah uh, had difficulties in conceiving a child. God promised them not only a son, but also nations of descendants. And yet here they were struggling and not able to have a child. But to underscore the promise that God made, he changed Abram's name, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And then God promised, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. What a fantastic promise that God gave. Even in the midst of Sarah and Abraham's inability to conceive and have a child. So how did God work in that? Well, we're going to look at several places here in Genesis. Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord... 
What can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. Isn't that neat? That God not only tells him that he's going to be the father of many, but he gives him an object lesson so he can remember it. He takes him outside the tent, looks up at the heaven, look at all the stars. You can't count all of them. Your descendants are going to be like that. That was a part of the promise that God made. Well, the story goes on in Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, no child yet. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you will be greatly increased in numbers. Abram fell to face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham for I have made you the father of many nations. Then a little bit later on in Genesis 17, God said also as for your wife Sarah, I will bless her and you will surely, you will, will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Then we'd skip to Genesis 18. Then the Lord said, I will return surely about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am old and worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. There is that promise that comes all the way through. And then we go to Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. That was a fantastic promise, almost an impossible promise, except that God made it to a couple well advanced in years that they would have a son or a child. God was faithful to his promise. And Abraham's faith reveals a trust that he believed God's promise in God's timing. And the responsibility, remember, to fulfill that promise was God's responsibility. 
God made the promise. God bore the responsibility of fulfilling that promise. Even when nothing else could make it come true, God was faithful to fulfilling his promise. And faith is following God into the unknown. The test and trials of life and then waiting armed only with the promises of God. But the responsibility rests upon God. We're just called upon to believe. And then here's the third aspect, the third portion of Abraham's faith journey. And this shows us that Abraham had the faith that accepts an improbable request. Hebrews 11 again says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. And he who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Now, that is a capsule of what happens in Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, God comes to Abraham with a message and says, I want you to take Isaac, your only son, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice Isaac on, the, on Mount Moriah. Whoa. This is the promised child. This is the child that God promised would come and be, and be the heir of all that Abraham would receive. And out of him would come all the kings and he would be the descendant. He would be that, the promised child. And now God is saying, Abraham, I want you to take this child that you waited for, that I promised you, that I gave to you, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. What did Abraham do? He went in obedience. He went to Mount Moriah. He took Isaac. He left the servants down at the bottom of the hill. And if you catch this, go back and read this in Genesis 22. If you catch this, he said to them, wait here. We will return later. But God had told him, go to the mountain. Go to Moriah and sacrifice Isaac. So he goes there. And there's different interpretations about how old Isaac might be. Some think anywhere from 13 to maybe early 20s or so, something like that. So, you know, he probably would have been a little bit more for Abraham to have dealt with to try to wrestle him and put him on the altar. But Isaac's the one that brought up the question. He says, "Uh, Dad, we got the fire, we got the wood. Where's the sacrificial animal? What did Abraham say? God will provide. God will provide. But in obedience, Abraham took Isaac, put him on the altar. He drew back the knife, ready to sacrifice him when the angel spoke and said, Abraham, don't do it. The angel spoke and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. And the angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. What a test of faith that was. And an improbable call of faith. See, the promise was clearly given that Isaac would carry on Abraham's line. But here comes God's call to Abraham. 
take him to the mountain and sacrifice him. God was asking Abraham to make the irreplaceable sacrifice. If Isaac died, it was all over. But Abraham goes, putting all of his faith, all of his trust, everything he hoped for in God on that altar and was ready to sacrifice Isaac. The only thing I believe that could cause Abraham to go through with that deed was that Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. Hopefully you and I will never be tested in such a way as that. That's why I call it an improbable uh, request that God made of him. But there are times in our life, surely, in our faith experience, that God calls us to make a sacrifice of some sort, isn't it? You know, when we've gone through every capital funds campaign to eliminate debt, to build this building, to build the education space underneath, to build the Platt building over here, then to build the student center, you know, we, we were called upon to make sacrifices so that we would have more money to give for those causes. And we have responded fairly well. I don't know what the proportion is of people who did or what you gave up, but I know that some of the sacrifices that we made, things that we gave up, I'm in the season in my life that for whatever reason I I feel God moving and working in my life that there are some things that he's wanting me to lay down. I've told God, I said, you know, I I, want to finish strong in ministry and I think he's telling me, here's some things I want you to start laying down then if you want to finish strong in ministry. I'm not sure yet what those things are, but I was talking to Cookie the other day after some prayer time and I said, you know, I believe God's talking to me about some of these things and I'm supposed to to let go of this and this and this. And I'm not sure yet. I don't have exact confirmation, but God hasn't said, no, that's wrong yet. But I think that those are some things that ought to happen in, in the life of every one of us at times as well. If we're really going to be children of the kingdom of God, I think there are going to be some things that he's going to call us to lay down, some things to sacrifice that, that might seem improbable to us, but they make logical sense to God. I don't know what it might mean for you. I'm still not sure exactly what it means for me, but I'm waiting for God to reveal that to me in this stage of my life. But I look at Abraham for guidance in this. God gave specific instructions. Abraham obeyed God explicitly. Abraham believed God would provide the sacrifice. And when Abraham was fully committed, God intervened and he kept his promise. Why? Because Abraham had faith. Now, let's wrap it up real quickly. We've talked about these are more than stories, but we want to look at the life lessons. I think there are three particular life lessons we need to learn from Abraham and his faith. The first one is this. God's promise is always found in obedience. When God called Abraham, he called him to leave his home and to go to where I'll tell you later. But God made promises along the way. Remember that? I'll bless you. I will protect you. I'll make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. In other words, Abraham was God's chosen man for this moment. The only way he could receive the blessings of that promise was to respond in obedience. Saving faith, life in the kingdom of God is all about being obedient to what God calls us to do. 
You, you remember the story in the Old Testament about Samuel who had to go and approach Saul who was the first king but was not living the way that God had called him to live. He was disappointed terribly in him. And Saul had been given an assignment as tough as it seems to us today to go and do war with these people, to annihilate them, to kill every man, woman, child, and all the animals. And Samuel is sent by God to go meet Saul, and Saul is coming back, and he's got stuff with him. And Samuel said, where have you been? And Saul said, I've been out doing what God called me to do. I've done everything God told me to do, and I love this line. Samuel said, what is this bleeding I hear in my ear? And Saul says, oh, I brought back the best of the animals to sacrifice to God. Samuel says, that's not what God told you to do. And then he made that great statement. To obey is better than sacrifice. You want the blessings of God in your life? Then you've got to have the faith to obey. Second life lesson. Our timing doesn't always match God's timing. You know, I, I put a note down in my notes that said, we are a now generation. We're so used to having everything so quickly. And, and right here, right now, we want it right now. And if it doesn't come right now, we're really disappointed. But, you know, I, I think all along in relationship with God, people have wanted to be now people. You know, we, we, we are now people. I want it now. I want it now. Abraham kept saying, God, you know, I'm getting a little bit older. He hadn't come yet. When's it going to happen? You know, he kept reminding him as if God didn't know. But God was watching. He knew what was going on. At 99, he made the announcement at 100, Abraham had the child. That wasn't in that timing, but that was in God's timing. So we have to remind ourselves that we don't want to run ahead of God. We don't want to get behind God, but we want to be so in tune with God that we're right in step with God. Think about Enoch. We already talked about him. He walked with God. We need to walk with God. We've got to be aligned with God, our mind, our heart, and our time frame, all in relationship with God. Our timing does not always match God's timing. The third life lesson, I think, is this. We have to trust God in spite of confusing and contradictory circumstances. After years and years and years of waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah. Then a few years later, God comes and says, Abraham, take Isaac to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. Whoa. I'm sure Abraham had to be confused. There had to be some conflicting things going on, turmoil within him. But he responded in obedience. See, I don't know what kind of messages God might be sending you. And how he is sending those messages to you. But he's calling you to do something radical and to step out in faith. It's going to seem confusing and contradictory to you in your comfort zone. But the reality is if you want the blessings of God, you have to be willing to deal with stepping out in the midst of the conflict and contradictory experiences and claim the blessing of God as you respond in obedience. Abraham did. Abraham did. Why? Because he had faith. He was the father of faith. And if we are children of Abraham, 
then we're to have that same kind of faith. Now, wouldn't it be great to be known as a man, a woman of faith? Have two things written on your grave marker when you die. A friend of God and a man of faith or a woman of faith. So that's the challenge, I think, that Abraham gives to us. That in the midst of life, whenever God comes and calls us to do something, to be part of his plan, then we have to have the faith so that we can respond as he calls us. It's a great challenge. But we shouldn't accept anything less in our life. Father, we thank you for Abraham, for his life well lived. We thank you that when you called him, he responded. Help us, enable us, encourage us as your children to have the faith Abraham had to be obedient so that you could use us and so that you could bless us in the ways that you want to bless us. As children of Abraham, may we have that kind of faith as we depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's his name that I pray and call for decisions. Amen.